Welcome to this week's episode, and it's one that's all about finance. I'm joined by Rob Geraghty from Presenting Virtually. Rob and I met through the world of social media, had a bit of a bromance, decided that we should really have a conversation, and basically our friendship developed from there. Rob is one of my go-to people when I'm thinking about how I price a project, or if I've got some finance questions that I have rattling around my head to do with my business. Come and listen to this episode where we discuss everything from how do we price a project, um, how we can utilize our monies in our business to put into our pensions and we talk about a bit about tax thresholds and we also talk about where we've placed investments in our business to help us evolve and develop and grow enjoy the listen so today we're going to talk about money and pricing and finances and i'm joined by rob um rob Thank you for being here. Uh, so if I go all the way back to Vodafone, I was aged mid-20s. I was at Vodafone and I was pretty unhappy actually with my work at Vodafone. But the one thing that I enjoyed, I knew that I enjoyed and I knew I was good at, was giving presentations. And um, even though my day job, which was in corporate marketing, I didn't really enjoy it that much. But I loved the opportunity to go and present on behalf of Vodafone. So a couple of times... And again, you know, I'm mid-20s here. I went to Bangkok, I went to Cape Town, flown down there to go to a conference, stand on the stage and talk to people. And, you know, came off and people were like, oh, that was brilliant. And I was like, really? Was it Was it that good? Um, so my journey starts all the way back there, early 2000s, I guess. And then what happened? Really informally at, at Vodafone, I started to help people with presentations because I sort of built this reputation that people knew that I was good at presenting and I used to sit in the restaurant in, in Newbury and I'd you know, help somebody who had an upcoming presentation with, with a customer or an internal presentation. And I started to go, oh, I'm really enjoying this. Could, you know, couldn't I do this for a living? And, um, and it, yeah, it, it just seemed like a pie in the sky idea at the time. Um, but look, that's what I've been able to do. And 20 years later, I've forged a, a real niche uh, as somebody who's got an expertise in giving presentations and, and now even more specifically on virtual presentation. So um, and, and I think building that niche has been a really, really useful thing to do so that when that topic comes up for an organization or for an individual, you know, lots of them think of me. So um, it's really honing that niche. It's um, interesting you talk about niching because I notice and I hear people saying they don't want they're scared to niche or they worry about niching because it could mean that they miss out on opportunities. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, and look, I mean when I when I did actually leave Vodafone, so probably what's this, 2004, 2005, you know, I, I was probably out there as a trainer, I'd say. And and if somebody had come along and said, could you do customer service training? I'd probably say, Well, it's not what I do, but but, but I'll give it a go. And I can always remember I used to run a course for an organization um, all about listening and observing. And it just wasn't me as a course. But, you know, they asked me to do it and I could do it. And then, you know, but I think actually what's been so much more enjoyable is niching because, because I, you know, I've read all these presenting books. I read them for fun. Um, you know, I read presentation blogs and I really have got to go in depth in it. And I've learned more and the more I've learned, the more I've shared and the more I've built that expertise. And it just means that every single workshop that I run now, I absolutely love it. Or every single bit of coaching that I do, I absolutely love it 
because it's on the stuff that I'm really care about and I'm passionate about. And because we're going to talk about money, have you seen a correlation whereby as you've got more and more focused and more and more niched, it's had a positive impact on your turnover? Yeah, well I, well, I guess so, because, you know, again, back in the early days, I was doing work as an associate. Um, and, you know, I think the other thing that niching helps you to do is to then, you know, more work directly with clients. And then, you know, there's a clear distinction between what you're being paid as an associate and what you're being paid as, a, you know, if you're working directly to clients. And I guess that's, you know, something from a from a money point of view, I really believe, you know, and, and again, there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing associate work, but if you really want to earn more money, then that's where the money is. Yeah, doing direct client. Because I guess, yeah, so for, if as, a, as an associate, there's a, a set amount of days we have in a year and probably a set amount like a, a limit or a ceiling on the amount of money that we can we can earn whereas if you're doing direct client a there's often a high, there is a higher day rate that's actually true but also you may then have associates who work for you so then there could be multiple workshops happening in the same period of time yeah i mean i i, I still think though you know if you're working on your own and you're not working with associates, well, you've still got that, you know, there's only so many number of days in the year that you can do delivery. But again, if you're moving that rate from £500 a day to £2,000 a day, well, that makes a big difference. So, um, you know, I still think there is a sort of, there's a ceiling in there. But as you say, you know, you start to bring in associates, you can start to be making money on that as well. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think there's any reason why, well, you know, from my experience, we've turned over three, £400,000 over the last few years and that's 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 me with a few associates again it's you know but also with having a Thursday off you know so um it's not going for it you know going ho and trying to you know turn this into a multi-million pound business or anything no so. no thank you for sharing those numbers because um you and I talk about this quite often um some people a lot of people that we know and I don't know if it's a British thing um feel uncomfortable sharing uh their numbers, their day rates. And I, I guess I was definitely there in the early days. I felt very, oh, could I possibly say the number to somebody? Uh, but that just spoke to my own fears. So one of the things I'm looking to do through this podcast is to enable others to learn from people like yourself about, well, like how, how do we price? How do we structure our pricing to, to get to a point um, that we are comfortable with and, and that works for us as well. Um, Rob, I want to take you back though, because when we were doing a prep call, um, I asked you, um, what, what made you go from being an associate to um, having direct clients of your own? And uh, you told me a really interesting story about Vision 35. Mm, yeah. So again, you know, Vision 35 was something I developed when I was at Vodafone. So I, as I said, I was unhappy at Vodafone. So I had some coaching and I developed this and I was probably about 28 at the time when I did the coaching. I developed Vision 35. It was my dream about where I'd be age 35. And I said, look, when I'm 35, I'd love to be married. I'd love to have kids and I'd love to do work that I absolutely love. I'd love to get really well paid for it. I'd love to be financially free as well and not have to do that work, but to do it because I love the work, but it also happens to be well paid. Um, so that developed 
from the coaching. And then I actually, you know, when I send out my limited company, the legal name of it is Vision 35 Limited, because that that sort of dream of where I'd be age 35 was so important to me that I just wanted it to be everywhere. Um, so as I say, when you get an invoice from me now, it comes from Vision 35 Limited, even though we trade in the branding name of presenting virtually. Um, and that piece of coaching really, you know, really gave me something to focus on and to aim towards. And it wasn't the type of thing that, you know, I got to my 35th birthday and then that was it. There you go. I've made it. It's over. You know, I still feel like I'm working with that now. And I'm 47. I was 47 last week. So um, so I've been on a journey, but but it's been a journey that I've been on all that time. And so because of that vision that you had, was that one of the reasons that you then decided to step change from being an associate? to having your own clients? Well, I think I think that was almost a step change that got me out of corporate life and out of large organization. You know, I'd worked for Accenture, then I'd worked for Vodafone. And I just I just wanted more, again, the phrase that was always in my head was freedom and flexibility. Um, but when I first jumped out of Vodafone and I was doing associate work and being paid 500, 550 pounds a day, you know, I was like, whoa, this is amazing, 500 pounds a day for doing this work. So, you know, I was just, absolutely blown away with that um but you know which I sort of look back on now and and you know I laugh at myself but then I think it's a brilliant stepping stone so um because to go from earning a corporate salary 40 50 100,000 pounds whatever it is to being out there on your own is is a big leap and I think we should always recognize that's a huge leap for people um but um yeah I, I was just blown away that somebody wants to pay me 500 pounds for the day um, you talk about financial freedom um, and you've mentioned it before to me about that being one of your values. How has that then, how does that show up in what you do now and how you work? Oh, that's a good question, isn't it? So, um, again, I don't, I don't want to say I'm, I'm driven by the money and, you know, but, but, but I, am, I am commercial in how I think about these things. So, again, you know, if somebody approaches me and asks me to do something and, you know, actually... It's going to take three days of my time, and they say they've got two thousand pounds of budget. Then I'm probably going to say no. Uh, you know, I might signpost them to look. Here's some people over here who might be able to help. Um, but you know, I, I'm not just saying I'm only doing the really, really well paid work. But it is a key thing in my thinking. You know, I, I'm also running a business here, so I'm very much thinking: what's the top line revenue that we're bringing in? What are the costs in the business? How do we ultimately make a profit? What do we do with those profits as well? Um, and yeah, being very conscious of all of that is is in there. That's really interesting. So what, what are the parameters that you measure to help you know that your business is going in the right direction? So I do look at, you know, sales. I'm, I'm always, I've got a really clear view on where we're at for the year on sales. Um, I've also got a keen eye on what the costs are. Um, but then there's also sort of, you know, you know, I'm not reviewing it every single day or every, not even every single week or month, you know, sort of broadly speaking, I know it's going in the right direction. I think that, you know, it's a pretty simple business model, isn't it? That we can put out there that the training is going to cost 10,000 pounds, you know, roughly speaking, I know it's going to involve whatever, three, four days of my time. I might bring a couple of associates in to do a pit, couple of bits of that. So I know the costs of doing that. So I know that that £10,000 piece of work, again, a figure I'm always thinking about is like the job profit. 
So saying, I've told the client it's going to be £10,000. I know that I'm going to have to pay Kirsty and Mark and Fred to do these bits. So that's going to cost about 3000 So the job profit is 7000 And I think that's a really key metric for me. Um, and, you know, and then I've got a target. I've got a flip chart here on the wall with a target of 295 which was, you know, an annual target for this year. Um, which, you know, but I then also know where that money's going as well. You know, I know that that's going to go and pay some salaries, it's going to pay some dividends out to Sarah and I, it's going to pay some money into pensions as well. Um, but it's a very clear target in, to such an extent that actually, if you said, oh, next year you could do 350, well, no, actually, I only need to do 295 because I've got a plan. And actually, this is where I really get into it, think about from a tax point of view as well. I actually know if we earn even more money, well, we'd actually end up paying so much of it away in tax that in a way, there's not, not much point. Brilliant. Oh, tax, the joy of tax, the money that is not our own. Um, how do you know, who helps you with understanding things like tax and VAT and what you can do and what you can't do? Uh, so a couple of things. So one is just like the software that's out there. So, you know, I'm sure everyone's got a zero or a free agent or a QuickBooks, some of that. So I think, I think that software is amazingly helpful. Uh, I find my accountants not particularly helpful as in on, on a day-to-day -day basis. Yes, they'll answer the technical question when you get to it, but then it's, then it's also like learning this stuff yourself. So, um, for example, uh, I just read a lot about personal finance. Um, I am a massive fan of People like Pete Matthew, who's a great YouTuber talking about money. Uh, Andy Hart as well, brilliant YouTube um, and, and podcasts about, about money and personal finances. I've just educated myself on all of this in, in that stuff that I think everybody should know, but most people don't really know. And, you know, and I've got more and more into it, but the more and more I've got into it, the more I've just really understood it. And therefore, it's just given me clarity over what to do. And it's also released in me the know that, do you know what, I can have Thursdays off and I can have a Thursday to do whatever I need to do, which is often go to Lidl and do some washing and, you know, tidy something in the house or spend some time with Sarah, my wife. Um, but it's the clarity that I've got from all that financial understanding. I love that. And um, I'm probably the antithesis of you, and this is why we're friends, um, that I don't always have that clarity. And you are one of the people that I will turn to and often ask for your thoughts and opinions, um, especially when we're doing, I'm working on pricing or looking for ideas. And, and I, that's why I'm very grateful that we're friends and that you're generous with your time to help me with these things. But it is something, so... <laughs> The premise of this podcast being, you know, many of us started our businesses for a passion. For you, it's presenting. For me, it's those facilitation and training skills. We probably didn't start to run a business and we didn't sit there at Vodafone or Diageo and go, yeah, I'm going to leave because I want to run a business. And as a consequence of having the balls to step out and do our passion and actually be quite good at it as we have both been for 20 years we we've had to learn to run a business so I do think there is something about we have to educate ourselves and if someone is listening right now and they're like oh yeah but the numbers make me squirm I've been there but if, I've also learned the painful way that if I don't pay attention to the numbers they they can run away with you because you might owe I had one situation, I was looking to buy a house, Rob, and my 
um, mortgage advisor came back because I have to sub you have to submit your books and she said you've overspent in a year and I said how is that even possible I my accountant should have been telling me and she said they didn't and so I changed accountants but so there's things like that that just happened in my life that meant I couldn't buy a house that year and I had to change totally how I paid myself but it, that was a painful learning yeah something that really frustrates me in a way that your accountant only does the accounts and you know, sort of, you know, someone else will only advise you on your pensions. And there's not many people out there that will actually holistically look at your whole financial life. And this is where, you know, and again, it's a growing field is the field of financial coaching, uh, which is, again, it's not a financial advisor who wants to take your money and put it into certain products and earn a commission. This is somebody who's not going to advise you about products. They're just going to coach you about your money. And sometimes that coaching might move into, okay, I need to explain ISAs and how they work to you. But Sometimes you need that. But again, go and watch this video and you can pick this up pretty quickly. But yeah, coaching around our money is just, yeah, it's so, so interesting. So, And it's also coaching around our relationship to money and our yeah. beliefs and our fears Absolutely. and yeah. where we put our energy. Yeah. But, you know, all those things, you know, money doesn't grow on trees or, you know, sort of these, these sort of maxims that we were told as kids. And, you know, are those true or not? So... And, you know, and I'm sure I've got ceilings in my head, you know, and again, I, I know that I've done big keynote presentations where I got paid £15,000 to stand on a stage for 45 minutes. I'm like, really? Can I really do this? Is this ethical? But actually, you know, I'm sure that there's plenty of people earning 100000 500000 pounds for standing on a stage for an hour. So, But, but let's just unpack that 15k though, because I'm going to make an assumption. America? Yeah. And we know pricing in the States is higher than in the UK. And it's not just that 45 minutes, there is the preparation that goes in before you got there. So that it's a built up time. It's not just that one off necessarily. It is, isn't it? But then, but then still, okay, so let's say, well, I've got to travel to America and I did a, you know, and you end up coming up with, it's three days of my effort for 50. 15k and you're still like you know you're still thinking it's five thousand pound a day you know sort of you know some people are paid this as an annual salary or something like that so um you know and you just yeah but 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 the possibilities are out there they, 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 they are things out there and and there's people that want to pay i think for me Kirsty, with money there's a really nice thing in my head about like there's a, re a restaurant analogy and if you I don't know, if you've got £2.99 and you want something to eat, you can go to McDonald's and I'm, I don't know, you can probably get a, a you know a meal with some chips for £2.99. Equally, if you want a Michelin star experience and you want to spend £250 per person, there's a restaurant for that. And there's everything else in between. You know, you've got Pizza Hut and you've got Pizza Express. You know, Pizza Hut might cost you £10 per person. Pizza Express might be 15 So there's everything in between. And I think it's the same in our world of, training, coaching, consultancy, that there's someone who'll do it for £500, there's somebody who'll do it for £1,000, but there's somebody that can offer it at £10,000. And it's almost like, well, where do I want to be in this? Um, and again, it's no different to cars as well. You know, you can, you know, all cars will get you from A to B, won't they? But, you know, what what car do you want? And, and buyers are sort of choosing some of that, aren't they? And, and, and there's plenty of buyers out there that'll say, yeah, I'd like to have a Mercedes or I'd like to have a BMW. Um, on that, so one of the questions I often get is like asked is how do I, how do I price myself? Um, and I'm just wondering, 
what rules of thumb do you have when you're thinking about pricing up a job that could help people? I usually encourage people to try and charge more <laughs> because I think oftentimes people go in too low. I think I think sometimes people do that thing of saying, well, I've got a day rate of whatever, £1,500 a day, and you've asked me to come and do one day's delivery, therefore £1,500. But again, as you were identifying before, I think what we've also got to think about is what what you know what is that preparation work that I've got to do beforehand? Um, and I think the bit that we just don't put the time and effort into and put the money into Kirsty. It's just that like, how many presentation books have I watched? Have I read? How many videos have I watched about presentations? How much depth of experience have I got? How many times have I stood on a stage and done stuff? So all of that, you know, people are paying for that as well. So I think these days I'm trying to move away from just thinking, okay, I've got a day rate and it's this amount of time, and just you know, doing a simple calculation and, and almost looking at the piece of work and saying, okay, you've got 10 people that want to get better at presenting. It sounds from this like you want them to get a little bit better. So that's going to be a low end price. It sounds like you really want to transform how they're doing. That's going to be a higher end price and it's going to involve more time. So there's still going to be that correlation between time um, but trying to almost get to the value that they're, they, they're going to benefit from rather than just a simple day rate. One of the teachers I've worked with before, Daniel Priestley from Key Person of Influence, KPR, you and I both read his books. He talks about what's the outcome that you've got it behind you. What's the outcome that you're going, that the, the customer's going to get? So you don't sell time, you sell the outcome. And, and as you say, like sell the value. Um, so some things that I would really be saying to people to really think about though is, to your point, what is the knowledge and experience that you're bringing? Cause that has a value. Um, how much time do you, like what do you need to design? Or um, as Jody would talk about another friend of ours, are you curating or are you creating? Which I think is a really good challenge to us. Cause sometimes we say we're, we're, we're creating, but actually all we're doing is refining what we already have um and then there is like the visible time that the client might see when you're either on screen or you're you're in person with them and i'd also encourage people to think about what happens afterwards because if especially we're doing something that's learning orientated there's the embedding phase so it's not like a, a, a multiple virtual workshops in-person workshop and then we're done so it's thinking through all the different aspects before sitting down on a price. The other thing as well, um, my best friend said to me recently, she said, the blush test. And I was like, ah, oh. and the, she was talking about it in a different context. But for me, the blush test when we're, is can you say the price? Can you say the number? And if you don't blush, then you know it sits really well with you. If you say a number and you feel a bit embarrassed by it because it might be bigger than you would normally say, that might be if you slightly blush and that's okay as well though, because um, that's probably your stretch. And, and guess what? The client can say no. They, you can then go into a space of negotiation if required. And I think that's another reason why you some, I sometimes slightly price higher so that if, if required, it can be dropped. And I still know that I feel comfortable and the client feels comfortable. Yeah. And I guess what I often try and do as well, Kirsty, is put forward options. So I'll hit say, Here's the gold option. Here's the silver option. Here's the bronze option. 
And it, it does frustrate me sometimes, and I, I think I've heard you talk about this, is just sometimes people come and you ask them what their budget is and they say they don't know, which is, again, a bit ridiculous because it's a bit like me going out saying, I want to go out for a meal, but I don't know whether I've got £2 or whether I've got £200 per head. Well, you do, you do have a ballpark. And this is what I find is most people do have in the back of their head you know, and again, if I'm going out for a meal with my family, I'm thinking, yeah, okay, it's going to cost us 60, 70 quid. I'm thinking that that gets us a wagamam as it doesn't get us the Michelin star restaurant. But, you know, so people have got something there. So quick story. Um, a, cl- a potential client even came on a call and we got to the point where I was going to ask them the question. And they said, I know what question you're going to ask us because I've just read your post about this, Kirsty, on LinkedIn. I was like, okay, so what's the budget you're working to? And they went, well, yeah, they look sort of sheepish. I went, I'm not too sure. I don't really have one. I was like, okay. So I then put back uh, a proposal, which was quite low. And I got a reply back that that was way too high. Um, It was more than his team, someone in his team's salary for a month. And I... But it was a really, it was not a big number by any, any sense. And and I was just like, so you did have a number in your head. If only you had shared that, we could have had a, a more uh, fruitful conversation and yeah. save. And sometimes I do, time. I do say to people, you know, come on, is it, is it five? Is it 15? Is it 55? Is it 500,000 pounds? And, you know, and, and people will balk at something. Say, well, it's definitely not, it's definitely not 500,000 pounds. You've not got half a million pounds here, Rob. Okay, great. So is it 50 then? Well, I mean, that would be quite a lot. And, and just at least if I can get a ballpark, then what I can do is say, right, you, you've given me this ballpark number of £40,000. Here's gold option, which might be 45. Here's the silver option, which is 40. And then, you know, you can go back. And the, the great thing then is if there is price pressure, you can de-scope and you can sort of say, well, you know, we're going to take this out. We're not going to do this bit of the program. We're not going to do that. And therefore, that's going to get closer to where you're trying to get to. So. Nice. I like that. Um, something you've you've mentioned as we've been talking um, that I just wanted to touch on was pensions. Mm. What, as, as freelancers, as small business owners, what are your thoughts about us having pensions? You should definitely have a pension. If you are not putting money into a pension every single year from your business, then you should be doing that. Um, you know, the really simple maths of it is um, you'll be paying corporation tax. And again, just to really simply say this to people, you know, if you're paying uh, money out in corporation tax, well, if you put the money into your pension, you can reduce your corporation tax bill. So um, it's a bit of a no brainer. Um, And especially like I'm even more conscious of it now, as in I'm 47, so I can access this money age 57, which is 10 years away. So it's just a bit like, for me, a long-term savings scheme whereby I have to put money into that there, but I'll get it back in in, in 10 years' time. So, um, you know, I I think a training business is right for this as well. So, um, you know, because what, I don't know, what what, what do people need to live off? 30, 40, 50, 60,000 pounds to live off. Okay, great. That's the first bit of money that you're going to earn in your business. And then if you can find an extra 20,000 pounds worth of sales that you don't need that money to live off, 
that twenty thousand pounds can go straight into your pension yeah. pot. So in uh, the U- so that's in the UK. So we can put up to twenty thousand pounds in a pension pot. Well, no, it's up to sixty now. Is it sixty thousand? Sixty. Yeah, got changed from forty to sixty in the last budget. So it's up to sixty thousand um, pounds. And again, you know, in a training business, gosh, you know, if you, if you're already turning over hundred, hundred and fifty thousand pounds, two hundred thousand pounds, oh. Could you just do that one or two extra sales, which, you know, are the pension sales almost, you know, you're not doing it to take money because by the time you've paid corporation tax and if you paid higher rate income tax, you know, that £50,000 worth of extra sales might end up being £20,000 in your pocket. Whereas if you put £50,000 straight into your pension, it's £50,000 into your pension. And look, it's going to get taxed later on, but, you know, Later on, you might not be working. So, you you know, you might be paying lower rate tax on it. It's a really good point. I remember um, I started work back in the day in 96. And uh, the company I was working for, Bass Brewers, said, would you like a pension? And I remember ringing my mum. I was living in Glasgow. And, and her advice has always stuck with me. And she said, well, you've never earned money before, Kirsty. You don't know what it means to have a monthly income. So if you pay 200 pounds a month of your, I think I had 800 pounds, you won't miss it because you don't know what it means to have that. And you should always pay into a, a pension. And that just stuck with me. So even when I left a uh, corporate world, the first thing I did was set up a pension and just start to put money aside every month. And, and, and it's changed over time as I've grown or I've had more money, but, or less money even. So during COVID, I, I dialed down my pension payments because I knew I needed to be a bit more sensible. Mm. I think it's, quite, it's slightly different here because, you know, the whole idea of the, the training business is, well, you know, we choose how much we work and how much we earn. But again, I'm just encouraging people, if you can, if you can just get that extra £20,000 of sales, well, that can go straight into your pension. And, you know, £20,000 of sales is £20,000 into your pension. Whereas £20,000 of sales, if you then take it through corporation tax and income tax, could end up being half of that. So, um, you know, it's sort of, it's so cost effective to do Yeah, that. I hadn't thought about it like that. You, you may be considering what I'm going to do with some of my uh, leftover monies now. Um, out of curiosity, uh, oh no, you had a great phrase. We spend money on the business to make money. You said that to me. What does that look like for you? Well, I think the biggest thing I spend money on is probably on sort of virtual assistant type support. So there's loads of stuff in the business that, you know, that, yes, I could do it myself. But actually, if somebody else does it, at, you know, 15, 20, 30 pounds an hour, it just makes more sense that they do that. So um, I think that is a bit of a no brainer. So uh, Gemma, who you know is normally here on a, on a Friday, um, she spends what, about eight hours a week working for me. Uh, you know, she's on top of all the invoicing. She knows she knows far better than I do where, where we're at with all the invoicing. So as soon as we've won a new piece of work, she's created a draft invoice. You know, as soon as the work's finished and she can send that invoice, it gets sent. So that is just such a great investment of, of time and money because if I can pay Gemma £20 an hour, £30 an hour, and I can do an extra coaching call at £150 an hour, whatever the numbers are, it makes sense. And, you know, no, none of us really got into business to do all of that that stuff as well. So, um, and it's just brilliant having somebody there. I don't know. Um, again, uh, I've just worked with these ten participants. Can you connect with them all on LinkedIn? Hey Gemma, can you do that? 
So there's a whole load of other stuff. You know, I'm, I want to put a whole load of content and get it scheduled to go on to LinkedIn. So again, hey, Gemma, can you do that? So there's loads of jobs like that. So, so I think that's one place where I definitely encourage people to invest. Um, and then the second thing, and this also comes from my sort of background in technology, is just investing in systems and processes. So, um, you know, there's a load of software out there that you can use, which is just, again, it's, it's all about, I think, Kirsty, I'll use this analogy last time. It's, for me, it's almost like building a machine. And I think that's what I've been trying to do. And I've used a, a system called Airtable, which has helped me to build systems and processes that just mean that I can probably do more business because I've got those systems and processes in place. But again, I've probably spent £10,000 developing that Airtable system, working with a, an expert consultant who's helped me to do that. Not to explain the whole of your Airtable system, but just can you just say some of the things that it has helped you systemize just so people can get an idea in their head? Yeah, so uh, just simply sending out calendar invites. So, um, you know, if you're a participant on one of our program, you'll get calendar invites that can be sent from us. It'll tell you the, the session details. So it'll say today's session is about how to make better slides. It also has a link there, or it also has a description of the session. It also has a link to a video that people can go and watch a 60 second video about that session. Um, also at the end of a session, people will say, you know, we, we produce this um, summary document, a one page summary about the session. Do you want a copy of it? Yes or no? Well, then it automatically sends it out to people if they've chosen that they want it. So just automating some of those things, which are all things that you think they're lovely to have, but if you try and do it manually, it just takes up too much time. And again, you can give it to Gemma to do, but again, it takes time for Gemma to do it, to send out 20 individual emails. So there's loads of things like that. It's also like a sales CRM system. So again, if I want to say, right, I'm going to go and chase all of the outstanding proposals that we've got out there. Oh, I forgot about that one. Oh, I forgot about that one over there. It's actually worth 20,000 pounds. Might be worth it. So just having somewhere that you've got all of that written down nice. is so, so valuable. Another question. Uh, what investments have you made in yourself? And I don't think it's that much actually in me, Kirsty, because I was reflecting, I was thinking, you know, I think there's lots of people out there that go on a lot of courses themselves. So, um, you know, the investments in myself is probably, it was probably in the earlier days of more reading, um, you know, spending time watching stuff online. But I don't, I don't think I'm a massive investor in myself. I think I'm more investing in, as I say, those systems, those processes, people with with things like Gemma um yeah I don't think I invest in myself that much so I wonder whether you'd be okay chatting about February 2022 and a voice note that you sent me and at that time just for context Rob and I, Rob and I are friends and we often voice note each other and we had a social media bromance that's how we probably got to know each other and then made concerted effort to talk um and and you sent me a voice note in february 22 and i remember it very clearly because i was just wrapping up a flourishing facilitator program and you were like hey kirst being a bit quiet on here um i thought i should just let you know what what's been going on for me and one of the things you said was you know we were about to go all in grow the business i was feeling you were feeling super positive about it pre-christmas and you then said things just started to shift for you and 
And the reason I'm bringing it up is because it really brought it home for me, what you said in that, you know, I had to just pause and question myself, why am I wanting to grow this business when it was starting to cause some elements of overwhelm for you um, and discomfort? And and this day and age, we're like told, you know, grow your business, you know, make your money, get your teams in place. And you said, you know, I was just about to sign new people into the team. And then can you, would you mind just showing a little bit about what, what happened Afterwards. Yeah, so pre, pre-Christmas, I was super excited. We're going to grow the business. I was working very closely with David. He was almost acting as a business partner. You know, we'd turned over, I don't know, about £400,000. So we're like, come on, we can do 600000 next year. If only we had a sales and marketing person, an extra admin person, if we just ramp all of this up and we've got our system in place. And then the new year came and I was just overwhelmed by what to do because there was so much to do. And, you know, and it's, you know, as you said before, we don't leave organizations to go and run a business, but, but then there is so much to do because you have got, you know, and I, I just didn't know which way to turn. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I used to come out here to the office and I'd sit here and I, and I just started burst into tears because I just didn't know which way to go. And do I speak to David now? Do I speak to Lorna? Do I, you know, speak to this person, to, to Sam over here? And it was just all too much. And and I guess the decision I'd made then is, you know, and, and, and it's interesting, David's wife said a phrase, she said, um, growth is a capitalist illusion. And that really resonated with me because, you know, it was all about getting bigger and growing and earning more money. But actually, you know, and again, I did start to do more work on the finances when it was, I worked out, actually, I don't need it to be much bigger than £295,000 worth of profit a year which you know again so some people might sound big but it just felt more manageable and um and again the work wise you know work back then I was giving it away to everybody it was all going out to associates so I was managing a team of associates and are they turning up at the right time and somebody missed this session and actually it's just been easier to just go right let's bring it back in you know I'm probably going to be smaller, do less. I'm going to do more of the delivery, but actually I really enjoy it. Um, and actually, you know, that's that's been a really good decision to do that. I mean, I still work with some associates, but rather than it being seven or eight associates, it's probably now three or four associates. And and I am still of that mindset of, I don't know whether I like this phrase, to um, eat more of what I kill. So, you know, if I sell a piece of work for £10,000, my first thought is how much of it can I do? How much can I deliver? And I can usually do 80% of it. And then I'll bring in a couple of experts here and there, almost because, you know, I think people get a bit fed up of one one voice. And um, so um, so that's working. So, um, so, yeah, so actually, you know, it was a crisis, but I think it was a crisis that it felt like it led to some good, yeah. good changes. Um, you, you left in the voice notes, I listened to it. You said, uh, I've got a new word for the year. It's simplify. And that really resonated for me that you were like, no, we're going to simplify. Like, but it, it does feel like at times our businesses can suddenly grow arms and legs and turn into quite a big hairy beast. And it's like, how do I contain it? How, like, why, why am I doing this? And asking myself that question, like, what's the purpose? And, and, you know, but they still get the pangs of, oh, my gosh, but I'm not, you know, I'm not flying around the world and I'm not, you know, you know, I haven't landed a 50,000 pounds piece of work this year. And, you know, uh, maybe that person over there, they're running a bigger business than me. Does that mean they're better than me? You know, so all of that, all of that shit's still there in your head. So, 
Um, but I guess one of the other things I realize is just I, I've, I've never been a people manager. I'm not. I'm, I'm just I, I am a creative. I'm an ideas person. Um, and and actually, in a way, I, I prefer being a lone wolf, being out there on my own rather than, you know, again, managing a team is just not what I want to do, you know. So out of all that sort of, you know, because, again, I, I will quite happily create content, come up with ideas for online. I'll quite happily do all the accounting and all the money stuff. Um, I'd quite happily technically solve any problems in the business with with, with technology. I don't mind doing the delivery of the training. I don't mind doing sales. I, you know, but the one bit that I really don't want to do is manage people. Um, and just being really clear on that is really good. So, you know, so the associates that I work with, I don't feel like they're managing them because they're just people I've known for... 10 years and you know we, we you know it's almost like I'm just working with my mates yeah so thank you and I think the message I'm taking from from that story is like we don't find what's right for you and don't get don't get pulled in by the numbers and the thought that you know a bigger number is better because it's so not the truth because again we didn't start these businesses to necessarily earn millions or hundreds of thousands we do it because it makes us happy and we're here to, for many of us there'll be a, a big value around of um, here to serve and help and uh, enable others to be even better at what they do um, as a result of the work that we do with them yeah but uh, equally Kirsty, can we do that and you know, if we'd have traditionally been in a job that earned fifty thousand pounds, can we do that? Serve and get away with a hundred grand coming out of it. So, like, you know, one of my things from Vision Thirty Five was always, how can you have your cake and eat it, and have a second piece, and have a cherry on top? So, yeah, can you serve and do all of that? But if you traditionally might have been in a job that, as I say, earned fifty grand, can you earn a hundred grand out of this training business? Yeah, ever not. And, and exactly, it is absolutely okay to earn money. And if you're sitting there thinking, is it? I am now learning. That's definitely says something about my beliefs. So especially if I think I can't, it's often uh, belief orientated. Now, I've got some quick fire questions for you, Rob, that I ask all my guests. Uh, the first question is, what advice would you give to someone starting out? Someone starts out charge more money. Okay, we've been focusing on the on the money thing here. So again, those people I, I suppose are two or three people recently um, who are like starting out, and I say, "What are you going to charge on a day?" And they say six hundred quid, seven hundred quid. And I'm just like, double it straight away. And I just think, surely if you double whatever figure you've got in your head, that's yeah. a great starting point. Thank you. Uh... Who do you follow in social media land that you think others should? Who do I follow in social media land that I think others should? Uh, Andy Plant. So Andy works in the university recruitment sector and he's just super creative with the videos that he posts and things like that. Uh, I also really like Jed Futter. Jed, I think you know Jed um, Kirsty, expert in the world of retail and specifically in retail pricing. So a very niche thing that he's focused on. But I just love his posts and he just always comes across as a thought leader. And again, he's just talking about supermarkets and how they're pricing beans and what's happened in this dispute with Heinz. But you just go, this guy knows what he's talking about. You know exactly when you go to him. So um, those are two people that come to mind. Thank you. Um, and what book do you recommend to people when they come to you? 
Reset by David Sawyer. So uh, this book, uh, there you go, How to Restart Your Life and Get FU Money. So the unconventional early retirement plan for midlife careerists who want to be happy. Uh, so he's part of the FIRE movement. FIRE is Financial Independence Retire Early. And um, yeah, it's just a really good practical book written by a British guy as well. Um, and yeah, it's it's a good read. Thank you. Well, Rob, thank you for your insights and your comments today. It's been really lovely to chat to you. Um, and I look forward to having more conversations with you in the future. Yeah, thanks, Kirsty. Bye for now.